What would it be like, Father, if we knew those stories, knew that they were those descendants, and allowed them the opportunity to be those people? What would it be like to have Fakoe in your workplace? What would it be like to have Tutanika in your workplace? What would it be like to have Hinemoa in your workplace? Kia ora, I'm Troy, here as CEO, and welcome to Stirring the Pot. Thanks for connecting. If you're new, here's what you can expect. We're going to be talking the tough stuff, the things that keep us metalheads up at night. There are many challenges facing our industry and equally many opinions on how we should tackle them. Stirring the Pot provides a facilitated forum to discuss and challenge these viewpoints. So let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. Today we're having a all with Waitangi Jones. He is a specialist in Māori engagement and cultural advice at Tu Tira Mai, which is an organisation leading the way in cultural competency and leadership training. Kei te hunga e taringa whakaurunga mai ana, tēnā tātou e hui hui nei. A piki mai kake mai ho mai te wai o rāi. Kia tū te ihi, tū te wehi wehi, tū te wana wana. I mei tākia mai i a rangi nui, i a papa tuanuku. Te noho pai ai te uri, no tō i nga hihiri o tamanui te rā. Kia tipu, kia ora. Tūturu whakamaua kia tīna. Tīna, au mea hui e. Tāi. Tāi ki e. Nā mehi kia koe. Well, probably another good place to start wairangi. Ko wai koe no hia koe. Nō rera kei te whānau. Nā tēnā i a tarawera maunga pui a kaitanga tāra, kei te mihi atu. Ko te wai... Koukou, ko te wai paua hoi o rā tauma ko tangituwa o te atu. Ana hoi rā, te ara, o te ara wa waka iahau. A kai te huri kau atu te titiro ki roto nga titu whare toa, ki paka ke taiare o kai te ure, e ke tonu atu ki nga tira kaua ki te tomu a tōku pāpara a te ara. A karere anō nga mihi ki roto nga timania poto, Te toko nga nui anō, te takutoranga o tōku karaua pei, me mihi anō hoki, ki tano hoa wahine, a hea pina, tō roto hoki, o tūru wharetoa. A ko te whakamutunga, o nga tai whakamihi, ki roto o nga puri nui tōnu, horiana, nga i tawake ki te tua whenua. Kei te hunga, kei te marea, kei nga, Maungahi, purino te motu, tēnei awa wairangi, kamihi atu. So, kia ora kim. Yes, I'm Te Arawa Waka on my mother's side. So, I as Tarawera Mountain and Tangi Te Wawo Te Atua, which today is known as Tarawera Lake. Welcome all of the other esteemed mountains and wai Māori that have gathered here to listen to this quarter. Uh, I also acknowledge uh, Pakakitayari, which is in Mōkai on the northern side of uh, Lake Taupo, <coughs> Mōkai Teure, uh, and follow the uh, Whakapapa lines down to my father, who is Ngāti Raukawaki Te Tonga. Uh, I then cross over to uh, Ngāti Maniapoto, to Te Tokunga Nui Anoho, which is the Marae Central Antiquity, uh, where my grandfather now lives, Pei, and I also acknowledge uh, my grandmother, his wife, Hepina, wahine tuatai, his first wife. And my final greeting is to my grandmother who hails from uh, from Ngāpuhi Nui Tonu, Ngāi Tawaki. So whānau, koe rau, kai te mihi atu. So whānau, that's me. Greetings. Kia ora. Tēnā tata. It's not a very easy me that's you come from all across the motu, it sounds like wow. Wairangi. A beautiful wow. papa. It's lovely. Mm. Very beautiful yes. to hear. <coughs> so, Wairangi, um, I'd really be interested to know uh, a little bit about your mahi at uh, Tūtira Mai and really what led you on this career pathway <coughs> to this particular role. Well, uh, I got into this mahi as a result of having a really long uh, teaching career farmer. Uh, so I've taught for in excess of 30 years, uh, all the way through to a secondary school principal. Um, <clears throat> and um, 
And my last year's work at Okura, I went to do a boys' high school. And uh, my daughters, you know, I don't know if I know people's daughters like this, but they're always on their father's back. Anyway, Fano, uh, they said to me, uh, Dad, yes, Dad, you know what you should do? What? What you should do is you should teach all of that stuff that you know. Eki, who's going to listen to me? Oh, well, uh, the first time I ever did this was at my uh, youngest daughter. Our youngest daughter is a lawyer. And uh, she just started at a law firm in Hamilton. And uh, <clears throat> her co-papa to talk to the whole of her staff, of whom there were 60, was around the Treaty of Waitangi. Oh, Fana, you're looking at and listening to somebody who studied the Treaty of Waitangi uh, under, uh, under Professor Mason Jury. And you know what, Fana? He gave me A's, heaps of them, for the whole year. Killed. Anyway, Fana, uh, so that's the background that I took into talking to the lawyers. Uh, and so uh, we had an hour, and you know, that's what daughters do, Fana. You know that they've got to talk for now, so she only talked for 10 minutes, and I had to carry the rest. Typical Fana. Um, and uh, before um, I'd started talking to the staff, I, um, I decided to change my presentation. So I decided to teach how I've also always taught. Uh, at the end of that presentation, at the end of the 15 minutes, uh, uh, one of the, the, the person who'd asked me to come in and said, you know what, William, uh, what's that? You know, that's the best piece of uh, professional development we have ever had in the whole history of our, of our firm. And I knew there and then that uh, uh, what, we, what we were doing was definitely on the right track. However, Fano, there's nothing like being in a school to test out uh, how you teach. I already knew it was going to be a really successful, uh, having successfully uh, taught this way. Uh, with many students throughout the years. What I really was interested in is whether it would work with adults, and absolutely it did. So from there, Fano, uh, uh, I am now the, the principal, the Po Tikanga, uh, the Po Matsua of an organization called Tu Tiramai. Tu Tiramai comes from the very words of that song. Tu Tiramai, which was written by uh, uh, our, Nati, our esteemed Nati Kahunu. Uh, Matana, expert, tohunga, we te tau huata. And in the way of tau, tu tira mai na iwi, tau 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 e, come on, father, sing along with me. Tu tira mai na iwi, tau 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 e, ka pai awesome singing whanau. So in those, in the words there, whanau, it says, whaia te mā tauranga, whaia te mā ramatanga. So for, that, for us, in this work that we do, our job is to help people to stand together. And who should be two tera standing together? To us, whānau, it's Māori and Pākehā as the signatories to the Treaty of Waitangi, which is the foundation of the work that we do. So everywhere that we go around the motu, and we work with many, many, many organisations, our role is to lead the cultural change in those organisations to help people so that, first of all, People in Aotearoa can understand biculturality and understanding and being able to do that well, then we can understand multiculturalism. And in there sits Fano is diversity that we have in our workplace. So that's the first part. And that's all to do with aroha. So the principles that we Tato wrote about was that through education, and through uh, <clears throat> aroha, that is connecting, pay attention, paying attention to, being considered of, being respectful of other people, that would be the way to bring people together. But for us, me te aroha, that aroha means that at every decision, in every action, in your boardrooms, whānau, in your offices, and on the shop floor, that aroha is shown towards te ao Māori and that that influences the very decisions that are being made that in some way will affect whānau out in the communities. And so whānau, that's what uh, Tu Tira Mai is all about, is bringing people together, kia Tu Tira, using both education and by helping people to understand that if Māori at the table are at the table, Father. Then we understand what that relationship should be about. 
And so for us, whanau, the Treaty of Waitangi is the template in terms of how we can live together culturally and respectfully in Aotearoa. Te Oh, Wairangi, I love that story of your organisation and, and really what it stands for. It's just so beautiful um, to hear that sort of deeper understanding of the impacts that you're trying to make for for the community, not just Māori, but the bringing together of Māori and Pākehā under Tatiriti or Waitangi. I just think it's such a beautiful way of approaching this mahi um, in a way that's meaningful for everyone, um, not mm. just for some. So I really, I really love that. And can I also say, I am absolutely so jealous that you got to learn under Mason Jury. I caught that and I was like, whoa. <laughs> I I really so I I have learned about him only through books um and through my uh learnings at in Rungoa Māori, in particular um Te Whari Tapafa. So oh man, what an amazing um educational experience you must have had with him. Jealous, big jealous. So and <laughs> in terms of um, to Tiramai, um, one of the things that really stood out to me in the co-papa that you do is this all you have around cultural safety and competency. I wondered if you could explain that a little bit. Hmm. So let's go to Professor Mason Drury, and as you correctly said, uh, he talks of um, uh, the top of our model of well-being. So. <clears throat> He talks about the very various aspects that make up the uh, tangata uh, Māori, that make up Māori. And those uh, aspects are taho wairua, spiritual side, taho hinengaru, uh, the emotional side, taha tinanga, which is the physical side, and the final word, uh, the final aspect is taha whānau. So let's talk about whānau, what does that mean? So whānau, in our workplaces, whether you're in your factories, whether you're in your industrial buildings, or whether you are in uh, your boardrooms and offices, you must realise whānau that in order to get the best, very best, out of our staff and indeed out of ourselves, everybody needs to bring their full selves to work. We cannot leave our culture at the door and expect that only half of us is going to do the full capacity. So what does that mean, Fano? The word Fano is the genesis of Hapu and Iwi. So from Fano we have sub-tribes, and from sub-tribes we have the confederation of Hapu, which becomes uh, the overall tribe. But Fano is the genesis in which sits the word Whanaunatanga, which is relationships. And Whanaunatanga is all about whakapapa. It's all about somebody's heritage and genealogy. And sitting in that heritage and genealogy, if I can just talk about one aspect, such as leadership. In our whanau, I don't know about you, but, it's whanau, uh, but in my whanau, we have kuia, Watch out for them. So we have, and in fact, I have to say, even right on my own pipe, I now whānau, uh, I, we have wahine lookout whānau if you get on the wrong side. Now, <clears throat> these wahine are true leaders. Let me tell you that whānau. They are true leaders. There is a taki, there is an issue, there is a matter to be sorted out. Give it to the wahine. They'll sort us out as well as the taki. That's how it goes now. That's how it's always been. So sitting in uh, our whakapapa are wonderful examples, not only of toa, not only of warriors who are renowned uh, in our whakapapa, in our stories, in our heritage stories, but they're also wahine who are leaders. So it means, finally, that if we are to get the best out of our employees, and now I'm going to talk about Māori employees, one way that we can do that, finally, is to let them be them. 
Let them be mildly in your workplace. And what does that mean? It means this finally. <clears throat> Where our staff don't think that they've got the potential, don't think that they are capable of going into management, don't think that they can go beyond casual contracts, don't think that they can aspire to more than the minimum wage farmer. Sitting in their whānau are leaders. Sitting in their whakapapa are leaders. Sitting in their genealogy and heritage are the inspiration that if they were to connect to the whānau, they could be there. What would it be like, whānau, if we had staff who could enact the same qualities of the very tūpuna, the very ancestors that they have descended from. Whānau, I know from having taught for over 30 years that our own children are hungry for the kōru, that our own children are inspired by the kōru. What would it be like if we could create a workplace that allowed our own staff to be their own selves culturally in our workplaces. So Fano, the work of Tutiamai is to show people how to do that. If we want our people to step up as, as leaders, if we want our, our, um, <clears throat> our workers to absolutely give the best of themselves, and if we want them to realise their potential, then Fano, one way to do that is to go down the cultural track. Now, Fano, we're talking about diversity in the workplace. And so that diversity from Te Ao Māori Fano has always got to start from the Treaty of Waitangi. What does it mean to be uh, a descendant of that, of that Treaty Fano? Because sitting in there are the three steps to make that happen. And they are Article 1, 2 and 3. Follow that whānau and you will have happen in your workplace what I've just finished describing. I really hope that we do have a, a place, a workplace environment in the future where everyone can feel safe to be who they are and to bring their whole self to work. Uh, to me, actually, when I think about it, even in my own personal journey, I really didn't appreciate the uniqueness I brought to my mahi um, until I had leaders uh, who told me how special it was. Because uh, up until that time, you kind of push it down because you think it's not anything that anyone would respect or care about. But as soon as you ha start having leaders around you who promote and raise that up, is the moment you start to be your, your full self and, and reach that potential. So I really can understand, even from a personal uh, perspective, uh, what a difference such work that you're doing can really make. Um, and I guess, you know, talking in terms of those articles that you just mentioned, I, I mean, they are out there in in Aotearoa. People, people have heard of them and know of them. Um, but probably many organisations don't really see the relevance of understanding Tatiliti or Waitangi and its impacts on their workplace, or even really the tikanga Māori that sits behind it. What, what would you say to open their minds up and start them on a journey towards culturally uh, appropriate leadership like this? So... Um... Kim, I've just come from working with the Ministry of Education staff. And what I did was I uh, took them up to the car park. That's right, where cars park. What's so special about that farm? Sitting in the car park are three, sorry, are five uh, incredible uh, pieces of artwork. And they are what we call pofinua. They are representations uh, of significant tūpuna ancestors uh, who have genealogical links to that particular area. So they are the representations of the stories in the land. The point about uh, this whānau is this. 
When we come from a different culture, we automatically bring a different way of viewing a situation. And so what I said to the staff uh, this morning as we walked around uh, and discussed and uh, workshopped and did breakouts around each of the different stories was this. The story was explained to them and then they were asked, so what would be the relevance of the lessons that we've learned in this particular story in the way that you do your work? So let's talk about Hinemoa, famous, Tutanakai and Hinemoa. How can the story of somebody playing the flute and somebody swimming across Lake Motunua have any relevance today and particularly in the workplace? Tutanakai was born from the liaison of his mother with another man. As a result of that, his papa sat not with his uh, mother's husband, but in another iwi. So when he was born, uh, it was great difficulty. He couldn't be born until the correct papa was uh, recited. Eventually it was. And the father, the husband of, uh, uh, of his mother, realised, okay, something's been going on here, yeah. Right. Now, what he did was he took Tutanakai on as his own son. And that son became absolutely famous, as we know from him. He was an exceptional warrior, a feared warrior as well, obviously whānau, as a mean flute, kōwōwō player whānau, he wouldn't have gone astray in any band today. Whānau Hinemoa, let's talk about her. her. Her own people did not want her to hook up with Tutanagai. Why? Because there was the, this, this blemish, let's call it, in his whakapapa. However, what she did do was she followed her heart. And as we know in the story, Whānau, she swam across Lake Hōtorua. Uh, and in the exchange that occurred at Waikini here in the hot pool, and she warmed herself up. And as Tutanakai sent his slave down to gather water, uh, we know that eventually the two met and they were then able to consummate the union. So what are the lessons that we can learn out of those three central characters? <clears throat> Let's first of all go to Whakaue. Whānau, his wife, hooked up with somebody else. She had a baby to someone else. Holy heck, Whānau, what do you do there? <clears throat> so the first thing well, the first thing that we learned there, Father, is the incredible power of forgiveness. How can this son, who is what we call a poor and I'll leave you father to go to your dictionaries to find out what that name means, uh, what that word means. He was a poor And so he had a, a very blemished fucker in the first place. Yet his father, Fakoe, forgave his wife and cherished his son so much that Tutanikai became the person he was today. He was loved, he was nurtured, and given the opportunity to flourish and maximise his potential. What would that be like, Fano, if we were to display the same qualities in our workplace? How often do we have either staff or bosses that we aren't forgiving of? Where we have staff or personnel whose actions don't sit with how we feel and what we think. So we have an example here, Fano, of the power of forgiveness set by an ancestor as a template for today. Not just then, for today. Let's go to Hinemoa. Uh, <clears throat> Hinemoa was a puri. Again, look that word up in your dictionary, it's fine. She was a puri. So she was from the Aoki line. So she was a descendant of the very chieftains 
all the way from the gods down through the navigational uh, people of Dadawawaka down to herself. And as a result of that, because of her ariki lines, her highly esteemed bloodlines, she was absolutely mollycoddled and looked after and nobody could get near her, despite uh, the number of uh, suitors that she had. However, she only had eyes for Tutankai. So what she did, she turned her back on her people. That's a big thing, Father, to turn your back on your parents and your own iwi and follow your heart. Secondly, Fano, if you are familiar with Lake Rotorua, you know how wide it is. So she swam from Ariki Kapa Kapa, which is the rock that she was seated upon, uh, at Ofata, and she swam across to Makoya. Fano, I'm not sure, but you could have a go yourself. <laughs> Try swimming across Makoya, to Makoya. Try swimming through Lake Waterua at night time by yourself. No light. You can hear the sounds of Tutanaka. You're on your own. And it's going to take you three to four hours to get across there. Fano, we are now seeing some of the qualities that are inspirational for the descendants. What would it be like if we allowed our own staff the opportunity to display those very same qualities in the workplace? Hmm. What would it be like, Fano, if we knew those stories, knew that they were those descendants, and allowed them the opportunity to be those people? What would it be like to have Fakoe in your workplace? What would it be like to have Tutanaka in your workplace? What would it be like to have Hinemoa in your workplace? So how do you do that, Father? <clears throat> As we know, the Treaty of Waitangi, uh, the Treaty of Waitangi wasn't upheld. And so uh, the whole history of Te Ao Māori has been one uh, where only one culture has had the opportunity to flourish. And so many of your staff could more than likely be dislocated from who they are. But Professor Mason Jury, he said that to be the whole person, there are four parts. One of them is Tahafano. And so let's delve into the Fano of our employees and let's lift them up to become Hinemua, Tutanakai, and Fakawi. So, what's happening in your workplaces, Fano? What's happening in terms of te reo across the board? What's happening in terms of your staff understanding the Māori world? What is your, uh, what's going on in your workplaces, Fana, whereby everybody is having an idea and getting some understanding of Māori worldviews, philosophies and perspectives? Because if those same qualities can be there in our tūpuna, and if they are allowed to, if they are allowed to uh, flourish in our workplaces, then that is what our descendants, your staff, bring to the game. And that's the sort of work that we do. That's massive. That's massive. You know, I had um, I had always known our stories of our people. Uh, but never really looked at them through the lens of our workplace. Uh, and that just, geez, that has even challenged me to rethink my perspective on some of the things that I do and the people I'm around and maybe who I can liken them to. It's a very powerful way of thinking. It's amazing. I think to a certain extent, uh, I, I grew up, not really getting to know a lot about uh, my Māori side of me. Um, my grandmother uh, was an amazing wahine toa. She had beautiful reo, 
uh, and I always wanted to talk to her all the time, uh, so much so that um, I actually studied to the Māori at school, but I went to a very predominantly Pākehā school and uh, I had to do it all by correspondence, so it's just not the same as being able to talk with people. And the reason I had to do that was because my grandmother's generation were the generation where they were told that they shouldn't speak their, their language. And as a result, my mum and her siblings also lost that culture for that, that time when my grandmother kind of just refused to talk about it. She said it would get you nowhere kind of thing and it was dangerous to do so. And so I grew up kind of disconnected a little bit from that language and I, and I was trying desperately to try and get it back. And as a result, I think in my journey, perhaps I was influenced a lot by a different world, not te ao Māori, but te ao Pākehā. And that, there's nothing wrong with that because it's also important to understand that part of our history as well. Um, what do you think about colonial mentality in terms of the impacts it's had and the impacts it is having on bringing change about so that we embrace te tiriti or waitangi more and mātauranga Māori more and, you know, all of the powerful, you know, changes that could come if we embrace te ao Māori a bit more? So um, <clears throat> let's go back to the car park. Now, the name of the car park of the people that I was talking to this morning, Father, is called the Pūtake o Tawa, which is the base of Tawa. Um, <clears throat> the area is actually uh, part of the Kainoro Forest. An area of 25 acres has been uh, sectioned off, and now it is, it's been gifted to the community, and now it is a beautiful, beautiful car park. And there, mountain bikers from all over the Motu, and soon to be the world, uh, will be filling up uh, those those tracks as they ride. Now, <clears throat> the point about uh, the journey that the staff went on this morning was to understand those stories. And sitting in those stories is a different way of understanding and viewing anything. And so with colonisation farming, when we go into our workplaces, we're only bringing half of the potential, half of the understanding, half of the perception of how we could approach any matter. And that's the beauty, Fana, of diversity. Because at the Puntaken, that whole area being part of the Kainuru Forest is full of pine trees. Okay, so those pine trees, it used to be that that was all native uh, bush. But the Māori word for bush whānau is ngahere. 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 Ngahere means ngā is plural, here is connect. And so those trees, in fact any bush whānau, is a metaphor for the connection that is te Māori in terms of whakapapa, in terms of genealogies, in terms of uh, mountains, landscapes and waterscapes, in terms of the stories that sit in whakapapa that we as Māori connect to. And so what does that mean in terms of the workplace? If in bringing our whole self to the workplace, we were able to also bring in our Māori perspective, our Māori attitudes, our Māori way of viewing things, then we could nāhere the workplace. That is, we could connect two worldviews, te ao Pākehā and te ao Māori, as one. But at the moment, whānau, colonisation has taught us that only one viewpoint matters. But we know that that is not the only way to view any situation. And so, what would it be like if we brought the thinking of Tutanika in? If we brought the qualities of Hinemoa in? If we brought in the worldviews of um, of Fakoli, 
into the work that we do and ask questions such as, we've got this issue here. What can I pull from my own background that could be an answer to this? What's in there in my own cultural experience? What's sitting in there in my own cultural knowledge that I could apply to this situation that could give us a difference, that could make us sharper, that could make us better farmer? If we could do that, Fano, then we understand, Fano, what this is all about. And so colonization has been a limiting factor in terms of us realizing the full potential. Dao Pakia, Dao Mahi. So I was just curious to know what are your thoughts on the statement if you're not indigenizing your spaces, then you are colonizing them? Mm. That's a great, uh, <coughs> that's a great uh, phrase. Absolutely. So, in terms of colonisation, <coughs> colonisation has and continues to have a massive impact on Māori <coughs> and the role of the rollout of um, uh, the COVID vaccines has been a perfect example, a living example uh, of that disparity which exists in housing, education, um, um, where people socio-economically. Now, how, do, how can we stop that? The way we can stop that is, in, is to actually look at Te Ao Māori, look at what the Treaty of Waitangi said, uh, and uh, actually implement that in the workplace. So how would you go about doing that? First of all, it's understanding what was the intention, what was the, the vision uh, that uh, the uh, treaty saw that we can, we couldn't see then, or one of the partners couldn't see then, uh, and uh, it's still difficult to see now. Uh, as I say, there are three parts to that uh, treaty, uh, and let me deal with the uh, the second part, which is around Rangatiratanga, uh, Article Two, <clears throat> and Article Two. Uh, if we boil it all down, it is around protection. Protecting what? Uh, protecting Te Almari. Everything that's so real, important, and meaningful in Te Almari. Our language, our whakapapa, ways of being, philosophies, attitudes, beliefs, all of those is what protection means. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by uh, incorporating that into our workday uh, lives. Because when we don't, what we have is a failure around Article 3, which is around uh, the third piece of participation. And we can see that Māori are not participating very successful, successfully. Uh, six sections of Te Ao Māori are not uh, participating su successfully in New Zealand society. And so we occupy the wrong statistics uh, in terms of uh, justice, in terms of education, in terms of health, in terms of COVID vaccines, etc. So it always starts off with uh, both parties being at the table, Māori and Pākehā, and giving Māori uh, an equal power, equal voice in every aspect that affects Aotearoa. So how can we do that? Well, yes, indigenise uh, our workplaces, indigenise our workspaces, indigenise our work thoughts, <clears throat> and uh, always have Te Ao Māori uh, at the forefront, because if we don't, uh, what will happen is what we're already seeing now. So um, uh, it's really important that uh, all organisations always have Te Ao Māori at the forefront, uh, whether that's a direct engagement or somewhere further on down the track. We all live in this country together and somewhere, somehow, uh, Te Ao Māori will come in with uh, some aspect of hera and uh, making sure that that engagement is always a responsive one uh, is culturally appropriate and uh, always make sure that uh, Te Ao Māori is in there is, is absolutely critical uh, because if we can, the fault actually doesn't sit with Māori at all. It's never sat with Māori. Māori are not in the deficit. Māori are not the ones uh, who are in their predicament because of the way Māori are. It's actually the other way around. 
Māori are in a position that Māori are in because of the uh, because of the impact of colonisation, because of the uh, structures of society, law, government, uh, economic policy uh, that has impacted on Māori without a, without a thought towards them. And so the consequence is that it's been a one fit for all um, attitude and philosophy. And as we can see, that doesn't work. Uh, actually, more be fit, be spoke, uh, tailor-made approaches uh, where te ao Māori are actually helping to design that approach and implement that approach is absolutely the right way to go. What's good for Māori is good for the for Aotearoa. What's good for Pākehā doesn't work for Māori. If we can flip it around the other way, uh, whānau, it will work for sure. <laughs> good way to put it. So what do you think then are the first steps that an organisation can take to start embracing Māori culture more into their workplace then? Uh, well, Kim, uh, the first thing is to make that decision. Uh, however, it is too late. The decision has already been made. Why do I say that? Uh, because uh, for the most uh, obvious and practical understanding of what I've just said, just look at our uh, news broadcasts on TV right now. And so the inculcation of te reo Māori, uh, and I must say that those uh, new the broadcasters, the new news broadcasters are doing a fantastic job of naturalising and making normal te reo Māori uh, when they're reading their uh, the news bulletins. That's number one. Number two is the actual beautiful pronunciation that they have. And so now it's become normalised to see and hear that. So the first thing that we need to understand is that Te Ao Māori and New Zealand have changed. It is actually now part of our fabric. And if people haven't realised that, it is too late. So <clears throat> um, uh, Aotearoa society, Aotearoa culture has changed already. And it's now a matter of organisations keeping up. Uh, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that... Um, uh, many government departments uh, have already got in legislation um, ensuring that uh, the Treaty of Waitangi, that there is um, awareness amongst all staff, as well as uh, staff being culturally capable. And in fact, uh, a, a Te Arawhiti, uh actually uh, provides the direction to all government departments around how that uh, should look. So that now sits in legisl uh, legislation that came out in 2020. So these are quite strong examples of, of the way that New Zealand is changing, not only in terms of, let's say, a community, societal sense, but, but also in terms of what government is doing uh, in order to uphold and honour the Treaty of Waitangi. So how could an organisation organization such as HERA um, implement Dalmari in itself? Well, the first thing is to understand that the world has changed. And the second is to make that decision. To absolutely make that decision. Having made that decision, uh, what will then follow is a series of thoughts in terms of, okay, we've made the, this decision, what shall we do next? And in that doing next, uh, we will start uh, reaching out to finding uh, places and organisations support uh, that can help us uh, on this track. And so those are, the, those are the suggestions that I'm making at this stage. One is that New Zealand has already changed. It is now in legislation. Make the decision, and with those decisions uh, will come the means to be able to do that. Uh, as I say, there are many, many uh, experts out there who who are efficient at helping organisations uh, to be able to implement Te Ao Māori uh, into the workplace. Uh, but certainly um, uh, that's what's happening. Uh, that's what we are seeing uh, ourselves as cultural advisors. Um, we are flooded. We've been flooded ever since we began uh, four years ago. And that demand has come from government, corporate, non-profit, 
every sector of society. Uh, so uh, certainly uh, the world Aotearoa has changed. I completely totoko what you're saying there, Wairangi. I would say that's pretty much how Hera has started its own journey to to more genuinely connect with tikanga Māori in our workplace. I think um, normalising te reo Māori and mātauranga Māori has, has been a big part of that journey. And I think if you can even embrace little kupu into your day, you know, substitute yeah. them out for Māori, those are little ways that you can start to make those subtle changes. But I do agree that getting people on board who have wider expertise in that area is definitely a place to start. Some of the feedback we have had from our members is that they genuinely want to go on their journey, but they just don't know where to start. So some really good points made, I think, so that they could head in, head in more genuinely and make some changes that will make a difference, more genuine changes yes. anyways. And I guess I have to cool. say, yeah, and I, and I think I have to say that, you know, the journey of cultural understanding is not one that is only for non-Māori. I feel for myself as a Māori person um, that I've had to take a journey also. I would say if we were talking together five years ago, I probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, I, I think that I kind of hid the fact that I was Māori a little bit to the side because I thought who would who would find that as a skill that's important to bring to mahi? Um, what value would that bring to mahi? You know, I, I, I certainly didn't raise it with the proudness that I do today. Um, and I think that that's because I've also been on a journey to understand that um, there's something special about cultural understanding in the um, in what I can bring to the table. So I think it's it's not just for non-Māori. And, and I think that comes from generational aspects. Um, I know you shared some thoughts on that actually on LinkedIn at one point around the fact that um, we we have to reframe our thinking at some stage, you know, because perhaps the past injustices of what have happened to our our tūpuna is is it has happened. It is history, but how do we reframe that so we rise above it? So, yeah, I definitely think it's a journey for, for everyone to take. How do you think we do reconcile history through reframed thinking and reality? So, <clears throat> well, let me go back to some of the things that you've just finished saying. Now, this has been my experience as a teacher. So let's say uh, we've got a class of uh, students uh, and uh, one of the jobs that we're teaching them is what is a pepeha? So rather than us teaching uh, what a pepeha is, uh, what we always do is, uh, particularly when uh, the students of Māori, they say, well, uh, go to your home, and ask those questions. What, what is your pepeha? I would hear this often. Oh, what? Uh, yeah, I went home and asked about my pepeha. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nah, they don't know it. Oh, kapai, kapai, kai kapai. Oh, well, me hari ki to, ki to marae. Kei reo marae. Oh, matua, what? I don't know my marae. Eh? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, well, why don't you go home and ask your, your nanny and your queer? Matua, what? They don't know either. Can you make one up for me, matua? Now, stories of disconnection where people are standing on that continuum from disconnection to absolutely centered into our Māori, Māori are anywhere on that continuum. Nobody is at uh, one end um, totally, but we're all at some point on that continuum. And so, yes, there have been many Māori who have sat apart from Te Ao Māori, uh, and uh, that's sitting apart, particularly now with uh, the world uh, changing as it has, has really shone the spotlight on a person's position on that continuum and around their own 
centeredness, uh, their own strength and confidence into our mind, if they are mine. Uh, let me say it like this. When we are centered deeply in our culture, we have a strength, a purpose, a confidence that is unshakable. But in that same uh, centeredness in culture and unshakability is the template to help us understand other cultures. So Del Māori is, is a values-based culture. It's a values with strong uh, belief systems, strong world views that are unique, are unique to Del Māori. So not only does it give people a, a, a powerful sense of being, but it also helps people to understand other cultures, other values, other attitudes, and other beliefs. And really, that's what cultural diversity is all about, inclusiveness and diversity in the workplace. We actually need that tool, and we need to be sure of ourselves in our own culture so that we can apply it to others in their situations as well. And so, again, where do we need to start that off? Uh, we always start off with the two signatories of the treaty, Māori and Pākehā, and understanding uh, what that is. But for Māori, certainly, understanding uh, who one is, uh, right down to their pepeha, is critical. Because there's nothing worse than walking around and, and just being unsure, not knowing truly who you are, dreading the point uh, where one day you'll be asked to do this and uh, you have to say, well, I can't because I, I'm as culturally fluent as you are, which is I'm not culturally fluent at all. So not a position many people want to be in. So in terms of reframing, yes, uh, we have all. We have, this cultural disconnection that we all face is due to uh, colonisation, absolutely due to colonisation and not supporting Article 2, 3, which would have given Article 1. So what do we today need to do about that? Well, the first thing that we need to understand is A, Whatever happened to our generations before us, that's what happened to them. But we can make a stand now. We can make a stand now for ourselves today and for those uh, for whom we are responsible uh, in, in generations to come. So reframing ourselves and uh, continuing to look at past injustices, let's park that. Let's put that to the side. Now is my time. Now is my time to make a stand. Now is my time to, to do something about this for me, for my farmer, for us. Let's do it. That's where the beginning begins. That's where the beginning starts. And uh, in the end, this inertia, this inertia that Te Ao Māori is, is experiencing, is now a Tao Māori issue. It's not, no longer a colonisation issue. The inertia sits directly with Māori. Now, what does that mean? There are a multitude of opportunities through Wānanga, through online courses, through going into the shops and buying books. There are a multitude of ways in which we can start that journey as well as going to the multitude of wānanga that our own marae have. And so we can't let the fact that colonisation still does not give me the opportunity today to express who I am, because I've just finished saying, if we look at the news, te reo Māori is becoming more and more normalised. So we can't blame our inertia on that. The opportunity is there. Secondly, the avenues to learn. There are numerous avenues, so we can't blame our inertia there. Uh, the past was the past. Today, I am now. I need to make my stand today. So I can't blame my inertia on the past. I need to look in the mirror, 
and decide for myself what I want to do, use the Hera approach, decide, and then find the ways to make this goal happen. Pono. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Wairangi. Do you think there's anything else you think is important to share to, to anyone who might be listening today um, around the ideas of diversity and inclusion, cultural understanding, or, or any other sort of learnings you wanted to put into the atmosphere? Um, yes, okay, then I will. <coughs> I used this uh, illustration last week. I'm not even sure if I did. I, I mentioned it to our group uh, to, uh, last week. But let me reiterate it if I have whānau. Aroha mai, if, you, uh, if I have covered it, but whānau, there's nothing, uh, there's no harm in recapping. Right. So in Dao Māori, uh, we call our, our bush ngahere. Ngahere. So if we go to our uh, native bush, we can see that it is an ecosystem of trees of all shapes and sizes and species. But they live together in all of their diversity, absolutely inclusive. So if we were to apply the word ngahere to our workspaces, ngā is plural, Hede is connection. And so our tūpuna in understanding our forests, our bush, that was the word that they came up. Our bushes are places where everything is interdependent, interconnected. They're all one. And so if we want to understand what diversity and inclusion is all about, we are our own ngahere in our workplaces. Ngā is plural, here is connection. So whānau, grow your ngahere in your workplace, water your ngahere in your workplace. Kia tupu, kia ora, so it, might, so it may thrive and grow. Kia ora. Thank you so much for sharing your mātauronga wairangi. Uh, I just really enjoy the way that you bring everything back to uh, the environment and the importance and of connection that Māori have. It's just beautiful. I wondered if I could just please ask you to close out our hui today mm. with a karakia. Nā mihi. Ka tira, kei ngā maungahi, uh, kei ngā waipaungahui, a kei ngā maungahu Kei ngā marae, uh, he takahanga o kui mau kōroma tēnei au kamihi atu uh, ki a tātou katoa e hui hui nei. Uh, marungi tēnei tukutuku, pai pai tukutuku kōrero. Nō reire tikanga, hei kupu whaka ōtinga, uh, hei kupu whaka kapinga, uh, ka hangai anō te arawhata ki tō tātou matua i te rangi. Nō reire kei te atu. <coughs> Tēnei o nō mātou te inoi atu ki a koe. Nau, te whakohora mai a i te mana ki tanga, kia papu wakea, kia papu wakea i, kia hua i, nga whakaoro nui, nga rātou katoa i waiho i ho mai, hai aha, hai tuara, e hāre nei te tangata, maroto i nga hau kukumi o te ao huri huri nei. Kei te atua, kai tuku tēnei hei whakahono re mou, Mehu karatio ki tō mātou āreti. Āti, kia ora, nā mihi kia. So there you go. Thanks for joining our conversation with Wairangi today. If you'd like to connect more with him, you'll find his details in the show notes. I have to admit that I'm a little bit of a LinkedIn stalker of Wairangi's. He is always sharing pearls of wisdom that give me those aha moments. There have been many times that he has helped me to reframe my thinking an action that is equally powerful and empowering. So I'd like to finish off with words shared by Wairangi himself. When I feel that my culture is acknowledged, my ways of being are accepted, my values are understood, and my mana is upheld, when I see me and you is when we can work together.
food for thought till we see you next time. So hit subscribe and if you like what you heard today, please like, review or share with any metalheads you know. Let's spread the word. At Hura, we're really committed to meeting our obligations under Tatiriti and also to raise the mana of Mātauranga Māori, Tikanga Māori and Te Reo Māori within our workplace. Part of this mahi is a project we have entered into with Tūtera Mai in order to create a pathway for all of our members to go on a similar journey as we have. To find out more, you can find links in the show notes.